across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Yes, please go to audio.hybendigital.com and get your first 30 days free, which is inclusive of your first book free. I love listening to books on tape, as us old fogies talk about, but essentially recorded books are even better if they're read by the author. I've always got two or three in the queue. Right off the bat, I got one to recommend to you guys. It's got an awesome title, and the author actually has this title tattooed on his arm so that when he wakes up every morning, he sees it, and it's by Ryan Holiday. H-O-L-I-D-A-Y. It's Ego is the Enemy. Ego is the Enemy. You know, we automatically think that it's the people that are just going full out, charging the hill. You know, these superhero type people that are successful. And he defies that thinking by saying, you know, look, I've got all these stories of all these people who have taken their ego aside right and pushed it aside put others first and and succeeded but we don't hear about them so here they are and it's a classic book i love it ego is the enemy ryan holiday just again go to audio.hybendigital.com audio.hybendigital.com and uh, get your first 30 days and this book if you want to listen to it for free Happy holidays, Rockstar Nation! I got a gift for you. Yes. As a member of this community, which, by the way, we do not charge money for our community. It is a free community, and you are officially anointed into it because you're listening to this show. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, I am giving you 50% off any course on Rebus University for the holidays. Now, Technically, I only got two courses. Um, I've got three others that I'm working on, but I've only got two now. I've got the certified team agent with Jeff Cohn, Omaha, Nebraska, doing close to 700 units a year. Highly, highly intensive course with interviews with every member of his team. And I got a 50% off discount for you. And I got uh, any additional team member, like if you're sign runner or you're listing coordinator wants to take the course and get certified on how to help you build your team or find out what their sign runner does or what you know everything about their team they could get a certification for 100 bucks so you can go on and buy seven of them and it's 700 bucks got to be a member of your team obviously and that's providing you buy the first one at the half price i'm going to do the same thing for the certified listing agent course so if you want to send your listing agents and this is huge guys if you want to send any of your buyer agents your listing agents whatever agents in your office you want to send them to get certified 
to close every listing from eight of the top agents in the world and watch their listing presentations and how they close 90 some percent of every listing appointment that they go on it's a hundred bucks once you buy the original program at half price you can give it to them so you can fill out the thing and and again it's you want to sign up 10 people it's a thousand bucks you want to sign up one it's just a hundred bucks and that's my gift to you and then it could be your gift to them people are raving about this program you know we're closing in 150 people that are actually taking this sucker and loving it every review we had on it is five stars it's a high intensive course on listings unlike any other it's a 10-hour course but listen every darn continuing education class you take is probably 10 hours and and this is way way more exciting to watch and uh, be involved in and and there's quizzes for it and everything and then we got the same thing coming up with the team should be done soon not 100 percent done but we will let you know we'll give you a discount code that you can use and your team members could use all you got to do is go to hybendigital.com backslash monday that stands for cyber monday hybendigital.com backslash monday to claim your holiday coupon Okay, Rockstar Nation, boy, we have a super guest today. I got Nancy Braun out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and she is number seven, according to Wall Street Journal, as far as agents in the entire United States. And uh, I'm excited to have her on the show. And she runs an employee-eccentric model to, to handling her real estate transactions and has a an incredible system or systems, technologies, and neat things that she's doing that uh, very few are doing, if any. So I'm excited to get deep with her today and learn some meat and potatoes, as we say. So Nancy, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Excellent. Thank you, Pat. I'm excited to be here. So why don't you give our audience a little rundown, Nancy, on who you are so they can get to know you better. Absolutely. I... I uh, didn't start my career in real estate. I started out in retail management, then went to law school, graduated, practiced corporate law, then had the desire to be a chef owner of a restaurant. So I cooked and worked a restaurant for five years and then left New York State to come to sunny Charlotte and didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I was working on my third or fourth career by then and got convinced by my late father to go ahead and take the real estate class and took the class and this is the one that stuck. So I've been doing real estate for 20 years now and loving Charlotte and loving being in a business that's so ever-changing and allowing me to use my entrepreneurial self to the max. Wow, that's awesome. So congratulations, number seven, Wall Street Journal. That's no joke. Like how many houses do you have to sell to be number seven? Oh, we uh, closed, the company closed o over 432 properties, but I think I submitted just my closings, which were like somewhere in the mid 300s. And so, uh, yeah, it was by units that we did it. And we got that number two, two years in a row. Oh, that's we awesome. Were, really? The year, yeah, two years in a row. And the year before that, we were number 11. So That's interesting. That's interesting. You figure you would have got six or five or eight or something. You get the exact yeah, yeah. same number two years in a yeah. row. Yeah, 
got a lot to live up to now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. So let's talk about that. So what was your, as I call it, ECI, but other agents call it GCI, your ego commission income or your gross commission income. What were your uh, commissions, gross commissions on 350 deals? Uh, well, it's uh, over a million. It's, I don't really. I'm so. Uh, yeah, it's about a little, about a million and a third, I think. So we're lower price point here. Yeah, what's so, your average sale price? Yeah, about that year was about 99000 So Really? Wow. It, we, okay. We have to do a lot of units to pay their bills. No, it's this a lot is of great. Work. Yeah, that, but, but this is great because, you know, sometimes we have people on a show that are selling you know, million dollar houses and they only got to sell 15 and, and they have this incredible volume. We're here, you're busting your ass. You're selling 350 at 99,000 average sale price. So like, like, how do you do that? How do you squeeze a profit into doing that many deals? Give me, well, for example, first of all, what would you say your profit margin is? That's not my proudest moment. <laughs> I don't think there is uh, necessarily a strong stronghold on that. We're still working on that. Yeah. So, yeah, we we generate the business. We're really great at what we do, but I'm such a perfectionist that we, you know, really go the uh, to the extra mile for all our clients from soup to nuts, and uh, that costs a lot of money as well as having a lot of um, employees to support. So. That's the part we're working on. And this year we're up, you know, moving towards a higher price point. Um, so we're gradually pushing that number a little higher. I, I, I do attribute a, a, a good chunk of some of my numbers in the past to my um, bank-owned business. And now I'm getting more into the retail business. So that's hopefully going to shift um, us to more profitable yeah. Well, it, it, it is difficult and it's definitely not your fault. It's it's a 100% function of price because I can tell you firsthand, you know, my team business that I sold in 2010, our traditional side of things, average sale price at one point was like close to 400 grand. Now it's maybe 300 grand, but the REO business, which we probably half of our business at the time and still do, was more like a hundred grand. And it is very difficult yeah. to make a profit off of an REO for a hundred thousand dollars. It is very difficult to eke out even five hundred bucks from that. So, um, so yeah, I, there, yeah, yeah, there are loss leaders, but that's what makes our phones ring. So that's the conversion of trying to get more retail business from it. Yes, and you're right, and then you get buyers from it, and you get other business from it, and it, it, it keeps the blood flowing in the system, so to speak. So, okay, so let's talk about some nitty-gritty here. So let's talk about this, because this is something that's interesting. So you've got uh, a bunch of foreclosure units. Out of, out of the 350, how many would you say are, are REO units? Well, that was last year. Um, it was you know a good chunk, maybe 75%, but this year we're at actually 50-50. So okay. we're 50% retail, 50% REO. Okay. So before we get into retail, I want to, I want to chat with you, you know, REO agent, to REO agent, so to speak. So my business in Maryland that again, that I, that, that my partner runs now had some major accounts, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, Bank of America. And of course they, they've all started to slow down. Uh, we just got a letter from Freddie 
uh, saying that, you know, they're cutting their agent base uh, significantly. And then I got in my other ear, I got other people out there saying, hey, you know, all these loans are going to start coming due that are arms and you're going to see an increase in short sales and REOs in the coming year. So I'm kind of see, feeling one thing and then hearing another. And I don't know who's right or who's wrong. I mean, doesn't it seem like if all these REOs are going away, that, that it wouldn't be a time to try to get it into the REO business? Or do you think that the, the, some other, some, I've heard from two people that now's a good time to start prospecting uh, banks for REO business. Can you address this? Yeah, I, I think that's a false hope. I, I think that the industry has changed dramatically and the banks and Fannie's and Freddie's are selling their NPLs, their non-performing loans. HUD is selling them in, in huge numbers to hedge funds, to investors, and they're going to dispose of these properties or, or reposition these properties in a different way. And it won't be through the traditional REO channels. Okay, let me stop so, you. Let me stop you right there. Okay, because I would think I'm thinking. Okay, so that doesn't mean that what you said in the beginning. I thought to myself, okay, well that doesn't mean there's less REOs. It just means you, as an agent, you got to get the listing from the hedge fund uh, instead of Fannie or Freddie. And then you said they're going to be disposing them not through the traditional REO channels. Talk about that. How are they going to do it? Okay. Well, my, my guess is, and this is what's been going on, is these entities are not being held uh, accountable to the CFPB and restrictions to keep them uh, restricted on how they manage the, uh, the transaction with the borrower. So they can do almost anything. They don't have to foreclose on them. They can um, negotiate a, a lower payment they can um, work outs. Uh, so a, a good portion of them will not end up in foreclosure. Uh, they can reduce their um, uh, debt obligation. Uh, they, they can do so many things that the banks couldn't do. So it doesn't mean that these, these properties are going to end up in a, as an REO. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because a good friend of mine is in this business, is in the, the business of buying these loans, uh, uh, ha has a private equity fund that buys these, you know, and their goal is around 40 cents roughly on the dollar. So if, if Fannie or Freddie or someone has a loan for 100 grand, let's just say, and he gets it for 40 grand, what you're saying is he could go back to the borrower and say, listen, you owed a hundred grand with them at, at 7%. How about I give you 6% uh, and uh, I'll drop the loan amount to 60,000 or 70,000. And you, you know, you instantly have 30,000 of equity that you didn't have. And the buyer, the, the, the seller could then the buyer or borrower. the borrower. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Borrower could say, okay, cool deal and do that deal. And then they have the equity to either sell it traditionally and get out from under it because before they were upside down or just hold on to it and say, Hey, my payment's $310 less. Is that what exactly. you're saying? Perfect. You described it exactly the right. Mm -hmm. And so you think a lot of that's going to happen. And do you think that, are they still going to be selling some, or do you think the majority of them be going, uh, you know, that route? I, I think, gosh, I, I did get an approximation. I went to five star and I spoke to some uh, important people that knew these facts and, 
it was a good chunk. I can't remember the exact percentage, but a good chunk are going to be worked out. And the, some of these deals also involve a, um, a mandate that if this uh, entity purchases these NPLs, they have to do workouts for 25, 50% of them. Like they have to. They don't have a choice. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. And that's great, and it and and I guess from Fannie and Freddie or, or the banks or whoever it is that's selling them, you know, they get them off the book. It doesn't show that they foreclosed on them, so it's not a negative thing. Uh, they got to write them off eventually. They should have wrote them off ten years ago, but now now it's uh, more acceptable when the shareholders see that they had to write off X amount of, of bad loans. It's not like a shock, right? They're not like, oh my God, what did you guys do? Everybody knows that they wrote years and years of crappy loans. Yep. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't, uh, if I was an as agent that's not in REO, I wouldn't make that my um, push. I would, be, I would be following people like you and learning how to be a salesperson and, and just go out and get traditional business. Okay, so now let's flip the coin there. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about traditional business. You've gone from 75% to 50%, which is which is huge. That's a big change in a year. How did you do that? Well, I, I've been doing a lot more um, uh, marketing. to, to uh, I polished uh, a lot of what I was doing, so it's much more refined and more uh, enticing. So I have very good drip campaigns for all my buyer leads that are in my system. I have over 25,000 buyer leads. So now they're reaching out to me and saying, yeah, I'm ready to list. I'm ready to buy. And um, I have good follow-up to convert that. I have uh, people that are calling and following up up to convert the leads that are in my system. I have a a very, very uh, talented team of people that are um, skilled. I have a marketing department that's just, I think, better than most of my competitors out there. And so we have very attractive and enticing websites, blogging, social media. Uh, I've just really spent a lot of my energy and my resources building our retail side, showing how we can market sellers' properties better than our competitors. And we show that we can because we can sell them quicker and for more money. So um, we've also started doing some farming for expireds and probate and um, trying to go out there and get more listings because Charlotte is just uh, really starving for something to sell. I have the buyers, but we need something to sell them. So you'd say now you're in a seller's market? Oh, 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 crazy seller's market. Crazy. Yeah. You get a buyer ready, willing, and able to buy, but we can't, you go out there for days searching for a home. You can't find anything. I have investors that are just banging on my door saying, get me some properties. So I need it. I need inventory. So that's where we're focusing primarily. I have agents that work the buyer leads and, um, and then I just make sure that we're really producing good marketing materials, whether it's on online or in paper form or video. Uh, But I I feel pretty good about um, the product we're pushing out now is is really polished. It's taken me a long time, but I finally got there. (laughs) Wow. So you have investors banging on your door and you've been at this 20 years. Now, in in this 20-year time frame you've been in business, have you ever seen more investors in the market? 
Oh, gosh. Um, well, that's I don't know the, the ratios, but it, when the recession hit, we, we got hit pretty hard by the big players. So the Blackstones and America for Rent, Colony Homes, they came in like in droves and bought thousands and thousands of properties. And they've backed off recently because the prices have gone up and there's really nothing to buy. So now you have more of the smaller groups that weren't able to play before, but now can come in and play and buy some properties. So, you know, when, when they were competing with the big hedge funds, they, it was almost impossible to prevail when there was a multiple offer situation and uh, they had cash and uh, quick close and they could offer, you know, top dollar. They were offering top dollar during the recession. And now they're, they're not spending as much money. So that some of these other investors that even they're not necessarily all mom and pop, some of them are pretty substantial, but they're not as big as those other entities that really, you know, push the other guys out the door. Yeah. I, you know, when, when the hedge funds come in and do that, and I had heard that Charlotte was a hot spot for that, as was parts of Atlanta, Georgia and things like that. It almost creates a false market. Do you think that a false market can be created again should some of these big hedge funds decide to dump all their inventory? Oh yeah, that's that could happen, right? So, but I don't think they're. I think they're too smart to do that. You, know, they're not you think how, how long you think they're going to hold on to it? They've been unloading stuff in Atlanta. I know Blackstone unloaded at least a thousand properties, um, and I know um, that, that you know they're starting to do it, but not in a way that they're going to hurt themselves. So very very smart. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they would almost compete against themselves and and yeah. force force prices down by. Well, they're, they're also selling like Blackstone. I know um, which. It works through invitation homes. They're selling um, lots of um, groups of properties, uh, like two other hedge funds, smaller hedge funds. So they're not necessarily putting them back on the market. Oh, really? So like they're they're just offloading them, it's sort of like with the banks with the REOs, right? They're just saying, hey, to yeah. smaller hedge funds, and saying, here's a here's a line of houses in Charlotte. 30 of them or whatever. Do you want to buy them all and, and working out deals that way? So as yeah. not to affect the market, not have to worry about appraisals, all that stuff. Right. And they're, they're tenant occupied. So for a performing uh, property, that's got a, a positive cash flow that that could be an attractive purchase and they, they may want to hold, they, they don't necessarily all want to flip. Yeah. Because it becomes a single asset class, 30 houses, Kind of like an apartment building, uh, so to speak, and uh, mm -hmm. and there is buyers for that. That that that's fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what's going on. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so that puts us in a dilemma, right? Yeah, <laughs> what <do we> sell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do you? What's left for you to sell? Because you know, in a normal market, you would have regular buyers and regular sellers. I don't think you'd have all these investment type deals. Ten years ago, uh, you know real estate wasn't a, a respected asset class as far as buy and holds were concerned. They were more, for for a lot of people, they were more, um, at that time, they were more like equity plays where you made money off of appreciation. Um, and then 20 years ago, you know, you didn't even have that. So anyway, so what are you doing to make sure that your buyer wins a bid uh, when you're forced with multiple offers? Well, we have a multiple offer package we put together that's um, really killer, and it, 
uh, when we know that that buyer is uh, really wanting that house, we'll, we'll put together a package of about 30 pages, and it, it's going to have the uh, heartfelt letter from the buyer. It's going to have pictures of the buyer and her, the family and their dog and whatever, and reassurance more than just a pre-approval letter, but a very firm approval letter with another letter from the lender explaining that these people are are solid and foolproof and uh, reduce any fears that the buyer might have if, uh, I mean, the seller might have that we have a weak buyer. Um, we put it together with a table of contents with, um, you know, with all their uh, data about their, you know, when they're buying, what kind of loan they're getting, information about that, um, why they love that house, um, what's really important to them about that house. And, um, I think that the, the package we're, we're creating is just um, is over and beyond what their competitors are submitting, what our competitors are just submitting an offer, maybe with a pre-approval letter, At, whereas we're as good, ours looks really professional and really solid. And there's always two personalities in a transaction. If you have a husband and wife, one, the husband might be all numbers or vice versa, and then the other spouse might be emotional and really love their house and want to pass their house on to someone that's going to love it back. So you might be appealing to that emotion um, with your, you know, your, your buyer love letter to the seller. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think there's ways of escalating everything. So it's, so you're over and over and above your competitors. So are you in a, a market where the, the sellers can be like an REO company and just say highest and best only, or do you still have escalation clauses? Oh, we'd still do highest and best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like a waste of time, huh? When, it, when it, it's so much more to the point just by doing highest and best. I had an agent tell me the other day, we're not allowed to do that in our board of realtors. Have you ever heard of that? No, that's odd. Yeah. That's odd. We, we, I have done the escalation where it's not common here, but I've said, uh, the buyer will pay $1,000 more than the highest bid price up to a certain price. Is that what you mean by the escalation yeah, clause? Yeah, yeah. They said they had to do that because then the seller had to prove that they had another offer and the highest and best was not fair to the buyer. But I know that banks do it everywhere. I don't think banks – I think if a bank came in and, and did that, their board of realtors couldn't really tell them not to do it. So I'm not sure what this agent was talking about. Yeah, we, we use that all the time. Yeah, I mean, it only makes sense, and it's so much to the point. I mm -hmm. love it. I love it. So uh, let's talk a little bit about technology. I know you have this, uh, you know, you're you're an employee-centric team. You have, you know, more staff, let's say, than a commission, more staff costs and commission costs, which I love. So what sort of technology are you using right now, versus, uh, you know, whether it's a phone app or a uh, computer software that's helping you run this this team that's doing all these units yeah well i think the the central one which is helping us with our uh buyer and seller outreach is we use commissions inc and um we we've also learned to maximize its use for a while there we were not necessarily using all its tools and bells and whistles and now we've got to a point where we're, we're kind of um using most of them and uh that uh, in of itself is almost running a lot of our company right now. It, it has uh, lead pages in it, drip campaigns, 
um, ways to reach out to sellers and we can text blast, we can do video uh, drips, uh, we can set up plans which tasks out uh, everything that needs to be done per transaction. It's got a lot of tools that are, we've really embraced. Um, so that helps a lot. And on the field, uh, our, we have field guys that run around taking pictures for our REOs. We use Taza, has a great app. And we, you know, we, we use a lot of marketing tools uh, to uh, really create a, 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 you know, a great seller experience. Um, so, you know, we uh, created a sort of like a PowerPoint presentation, but it's not. But it, after we've listed a property, I think the thing that most agents get in trouble with is that they list and leave. And we realize that you have to stay in contact with your seller, whether you have something to say or not. And so right away after we've listed the property, we've done brochures, we've done flyers, we've posted the property on tons and tons of portals. Um, but then we also create a website for them, for their property. We create a uh, presentation that shows where their house is being featured on all these different portals so they don't have to go to those portals. They can just scroll down and see everything right in front of them without clicking on anything. Um, and I think that's a really good feature because then later they, they're not going to say, well, you're not doing anything for us. We're going to actually show them what we're doing for them. And then we keep them up to date on how many clicks they're, they're, the posts are receiving. We also do have really maximized Facebook. Uh, I, I can't uh, under, uh, play Facebook. I think Facebook's really, really critical to, um, realtors today and we're doing the live streaming at the houses, and that's getting a lot of hits. And I think the sellers really enjoy it. We, we hire okay. professional photographers and videographers. Okay, so wait a minute. Let, let's stop a little because you're, you're, you're throwing out all kinds of uh, great things here. First of all, talk to me about, uh, you know, the FaceTime Live is what you're doing, or Facebook Live. So mm -hmm. you're going to uh, houses that you just listed, and you're doing a FaceTime Live. Yeah. Now it might be, we, we might do it many times. So before we list it, we can do coming soon here. So we might just go there and do a, a live stream through Facebook and just walk through the house, walk through the neighborhood, show the, the amenities of the neighborhood, talk about the features of the home and, you know, maybe promote when, when the, it is going to be listed, when are we going to have our open house? And then we do it again in our open house. Uh, so that they, that again, another live stream and inviting people to come visit the home. Uh, and it, it's a great tool. People really enjoy it. They like the fact that it's live and not edited and, um, you can play with it. You can have some fun. Wow. And, and so what people don't realize, hopefully you figured this out, but the algorithms on Facebook now, you know, put your FaceTime live, put your Facebook live on like a super boost um, sort of thing. It's kind of like putting your car in four-wheel drive. You know, all of a sudden it, it boosts it massively. It shows up in everybody's screen. And then afterwards, people still think you're live when it was actually like 12 hours ago that you were live. And they're still commenting yeah. like, hey, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> um, so where they weren't seeing you before, suddenly they see you. And so the more FaceTime lives you can do, the more exposure you're going to get, at least now until they change these algorithms. And, and then the second thing you mentioned, you said you use Tazo. Tell me about that. 
Okay. Oh, it's uh, just, uh, it, it won't apply really to most people, but I, I don't know if you what you used in your REO business, but our guys and ladies that go out to the properties need to upload photos and uh, inspection sheets. And they, they just, had, uh, many years ago, they just had a really good app. Yes. Which they, all my guys and uh, women that uh, do this for us have it on their system. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I have heard of that. <laughs> And then we use it for tasking. So my team that works in the REO side, uh, you know, they get tasked when they have to do certain things. So, you know, uh, they don't miss some of the deadlines. So it's already set up with tasking. Yeah, absolutely. We use eBrokerHouse, and I think it's very yeah. similar to that. Yeah, there's, there's RioGenesis. There's, you know, all kinds of different programs out there that – offer the same ability but we're, we're also working through the commissions inc because they they have a planning program that you can task out too so all of that's kind of coming front where everyone can get that wow fascinating yes good stuff good stuff now i'm always uh, curious of this question whenever i talk to another reo agent because we we get obviously the the most interesting things that happen in houses or, or houses that people have abandoned in particular. So what would you say the, the weirdest thing that you've ever seen in a house is, Nancy? There was a dancing pole on a, um, a raised platform. <laughs> wow. One, one of the stripper poles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was like in the bathroom or something. It was so odd. <laughs> <awesome. laughs> Well, I guess that's the private uh, champagne room is the bathroom there, I guess. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, love, I love that question. Well, good. Well, Nancy, this has been awesome. I'm going to put all of Nancy's information on hybendigital.com backslash Nancy B. I'm going to make it real easy for you. Hybendigital.com backslash Nancy B. Or you could go into the search bar and just type in Nancy Braun, B-R-A-U-N or Braun, B-R-A-U-N. And uh, you could find her there as well. And everything that we talked about, we're going to put some links in the show notes. And Nancy, listen, I wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors. And uh, if I'm ever in your part of the country, I'll definitely uh, ring you up and we can break some bread. Let's do that. I, I enjoyed this very much and I have tremendous respect for your success. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. And guys, if you, if you have some referrals in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know where to go. You've heard her here. She's a rock solid agent. Nancy, I'm thanks again. For, I'm looking for more agents so they can also knock on my door. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on, Nancy. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Bluehost. Check this out. If you have a website you want to host or are already hosting and are probably paying too much, they have disrupted the world when it comes to hosting things inexpensively and efficiently. As little as $3.95 a month and you get a free domain name. They host over 2 million websites worldwide. Check it out, uh, listeners to this show. Very inexpensive and efficient. They can get a free domain. So I got a coupon for a free domain for you. Just go to host.hybendigital.com. That's host.hybendigital.com. Over 2 million websites hosted worldwide by Bluehost.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.